Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? It's been pretty good. It's uh, been a little busy, uh, but good still. It's good. Um, I had a conference on Mother's Day for the American College of OBGYNs, which you know that now, as of today, I am now the young physician at large to the National Board of Directors for this organization. So I'm really excited about the opportunity, but low-key, we were all salty. We were like, what man booked this conference a couple of years ago? Because, you know, they schedule these conferences at least two years out, right? What man decided to put the women's health experts meeting on a women's holiday? Why? And they tried to make it make it right by doing a Mother's Day brunch with mimosas and, you know, um, waffles and, you know, that kind of thing at the conference. But I had to leave before that started. That started at 1130 and I was on my way to the airport at 1130. So I was still salty because it's a three hour flight there. And I lost two hours getting back here. And then y'all know how IAH airport is. That's George Bush Intercontinental. It's ridiculous. There's all this traffic going on. So it took an hour for me to get in the car. My mom came pick me up with Harrison so that I could see him before he went to sleep. And she just sat there for like an hour trying to creep in. And uh, finally, I got in the car and it took us another hour to get out of the airport terminal, just just out of the airport, y'all. So my flight landed at 645. I did not get home until about 915, just a tad bit salty. And I hate flying out of IAH because it's always so much, so much traffic. But um, nonetheless, I did spend some time with Harrison yesterday. James flew out because y'all know my husband's between Birmingham and and, uh, Houston. He flew back to Birmingham. His flight left at 7.15. So we missed each other in the airport. And, but he did cook. He cooked. He had food ready for me when I got home. He had a cake ready for me when I got home. And so I thought that was so sweet, especially Given that today I went to the nutritionist who put me on an 1100 calorie a day diet. I thought you were fasting with your sister. I don't know what's going on. She's still doing my workouts for me. So I'm Mm -hmm. still working out with her. But um, I found um, a travel agent and I am 
booking my birthday trip, which will be in Costa Rica, by the way. We decided that today, like an hour ago. What happened to Dubai? You will get details. Well, Dubai is a 22-hour flight. Okay. And? I'm bringing my mom and Harrison with me. Okay. They can't stand a 22-hour flight. sounds like a good nap to me. Oh, says the woman that doesn't have kids. Oh, Lord, y'all help her. Help her. Yeah, you're right. Because he's three. So I'm going to have to entertain him. Okay. Sounds like melatonin gummies are what you need. Lord, you can't drug these babies. And keeping a three-year-old still for three or four hours is success. Keeping them still for a whole day on a flight, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a bit much. So I figured I would do that trip not with family, by myself, or a girl's trip at some other point in the future. That will not be a family trip until Harrison is like five or six. I don't think he should be traveling more than six hours until he's like able to appreciate an actual flight and able to appreciate where we're going. But um, but yeah, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. I'll bring my mom. She'll hang out with Harrison. And um, we'll also arrange for a nanny stay there as well. So that's the plan. We're at basically seven months from the trip. And that's why I went to nutritionist. I was like, I I, I can't play. Let me go to somebody that's going to really get this weight off. Because the, the last time I went to nutritionist, the last time I saw her was in 2020. And she was like, it has been two years since I've seen you. And in that two years, you've gained 15 pounds because I was 20 pounds lighter when I saw her after seeing her. Yeah. So- okay. I'm sure that I've gained 15 pounds in the last two years, too. I'm sure that everyone has gained at least 15 pounds in the last two years. We've been sitting at home. It's a pandemic. But the point the point I'm making is, listen, when I turn 40, I don't want to be wagging, sagging and shaking. And uh -uh, I want to get it tight. Okay, I want to look good in my swimsuit. Okay, so are you going to work out too or just going to the yeah. nutritionist? Oh, oh, yeah, I'm going balls to the wall now. So I'm going to work out and go to the nutritionist at the same time. So I'll let Stacy do her maniac workouts with me and I will also go to nutritionist. And usually I realize traditionally I don't do both, right? It's like if I'm eating right or if I'm, you know, fasting or doing these cleanses, I'm like, oh, I don't have to work out. And I don't. And if I'm working out, like that's my excuse to go eat fried chicken. But now I cannot do that. And I am telling all of you guys so that you can keep me accountable. Okay. So when I check in next week, I can say whether or not I've cheated. Okay. Because I need to be right by January. January? Your birthday is in December, my dear. My birthday is at the very end of December and the trip is at the very beginning of January. Okay. That's fair. Okay. so. I was hoping that it was still at the end of December because, you know, we're closed down then. But it's okay because I have unlimited PTO, so I will still be going. But I am going to work out with you so that I can get... Because I realize that, one, I need to lose like 35 pounds. That's number one. And then number two, I'm like getting to that middle age body situation where things are not as tight as they used to be. And while I don't... I'm not getting that same spread that I had before when I was almost 300 pounds or 300 pounds. Um, it's still not tight. It's a little jiggly and I'm not feeling it. So I don't want to see a jiggle. I'm not feeling a jiggle. You're so delusional because you're so thin. I don't get you. I am not thin. My thighs, when I walk, they smack together. Like the top half of me is what you see on Riverside. The top half of me is thinner 
And the bottom half of me is robust. So we, we will get it a little less robust and we will get it a little tighter so that I have like, you know, an apple bottom and not like a watermelon bottom because that's what it's feeling like right now. Girl, listen, at least you got something that's lighter. I got heavy on the top, heavy on the bottom. Boom, boom, double boom, boom. And you know, it's funny because I like my boom, boom, boom. I like my boom, boom, boom. But I just don't want it to be like, boom. I'd rather be like, boom, <laughs> like a small, a small mini boom. That's what I want to get to. Just a boom. Yeah. Yeah, that's understandable. Well, we'll be nice and tight and bathing suit ready. Maybe we'll get you in a two-piece. I know you that you not. don't like them. <laughs> you will not. I can get in a sexy one-piece boo. Sexy. This post-C-section body will not be in a two-piece. But I a mean, sexy one-piece. I'm pretty sure that your C-section scar is smaller than my myomectomy scar. I'm almost 100% sure about that. And that means absolutely nothing because it really is just... You know, people are out here wearing whatever they want to wear and your body is definitely already two-piece ready. And if you're going to work out, it's going to be even more two-piece ready. So I think that we should go with the two-piece. We'll, let's let's agree that we'll reconsider closer to. I don't wear two-pieces. And, you know, the funny thing is, it's not that even when I was smaller, I just didn't like two-pieces because I think that there are some bomb one-pieces that you can wear two-piece I don't want I mean the only thing you're showing two-piece I'm like my boobies out my belly out my butt out like why do I need everything out I just like a two-piece and again I'm I wear a high-waist two-piece so it's not really but like a little slither of skin showing but I like a two-piece because it's easier to take off and it's easier to like put together when you're trying to go somewhere from the pool or the beach to wherever else you're going so now I don't have to figure out like I can just throw on a bra or like cover up my bottoms, you know, that's just how I feel. That's it. That's skinny people. That's skinny people stuff. I, I'm not doing Girl, that. Girl, when I was almost 300 pounds, I was wearing a two-piece. Well, Please let me you. let you know I was letting my belly hang all the way out. It was more about comfort and convenience for me than anything else. I would not be comfortable in a two-piece. I already know I would not be. And it's nothing about, oh, I lack self-confidence because I don't mind my body. I just don't want to wear a two-piece. I think that that probably also speaks to the way that we're shaped. Remember, you said you have boom, boom. I only have boom in the back. So one piece is kind of look a little saggy in the front to me. So the boobs are usually just like saggy or they have that weird, oddly shaped padding that just is not comfortable. So I either have a one piece that is tight on my rear end or I have a one piece that's loose in the top half. So Mm, two pieces work better for my body type. Yeah, those two-piece bras just don't give you the support you need. Listen, I got boom up there. Uh-uh. I need to be supported, okay? Supported. And those two-piece bras, they just that's like cloth that's supposed to cover the nipple area only. It's just not for me. My areola is bigger than most <laughs> of those two-piece bras, so it's not going on. Uh-uh. No. And oh if it's God. a two-piece, then I'd have to have those like big maternity bra two-piece on. <laughs> big old bra. Girl, the one no. that looks like a harness. Yeah, no. no I'm about to, that ain't sexy. I'm not doing that. Okay. I might as well have on a one-piece. You're right. You're right. You win. Look, everybody, you, everyone has to do what's best for their body. And you win. I'm not going to, I won't mention it again. I'm just saying. 
trying but you to could. have me with them spaceship bras on. <laughs> no. Not a spaceship bra. Oh, my God. I can't with you. Anyway, Janine, how was your week? It wasn't that great, actually. So to make a long story short and not to bring this episode down, one day last week, I believe it was either Monday or Tuesday, my Nana, she went into the hospital. Not uncommon. So I had an odd feeling on Wednesday. And it was just, you know, a, a sense of peace that came over me, not knowing that anything was going to happen. Um, and then unexpectedly, Thursday morning, she passed. If I'm certain that anybody went to be with Jesus, it's her. So it's been hard. But on a positive note from all of this, while I was, um, you know, looking for things for my Nana, like, you know, just things that would help us with the program or help us, you know, remember her or just to share inside of our family chat. I Googled her or looked her up on YouTube. And if anyone is interested, you can just, you know, search her. Her name is Claretta with an L, C-L-O-R-E-T-T-A, Grace. And if you just search her, there are people who have literally been archiving her messages since 1996, the earliest woman I could find. So there are messages and prayers and prayer conferences and things that she's done for years. I mean, when my grandfather met her, they were she was an evangelist. So for years, and it was just on, on a very positive note, it was good to see that, that people had been archiving what you know her ministry for years and now we have it you know to go and remember her by so yeah this week has been rough and yesterday was really rough but you know life happens oh janine i am so so sorry to hear that um you know my condolences to you and your family um and i'm sitting here wondering like why are we even recording today like Y'all, Janine is somebody that just sort of moves, doesn't think, and she just moves and doesn't allow herself time to like process. We know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that's a good thing, but that doesn't change the fact that you're going to miss her. And, um, and the good thing is, and, and even when I think about like the podcast and things that we do. Like this is leaving legacy, right? That you can go back and see how many people she's touched and you can go back and listen to how many, you know, how many times she spread the word and you can look at the comments and see how many people she's led to God. So um, that in itself is is a testament to how amazing she is. Um, and I'm glad that she's left that stamp here for us to go back and watch. But I'm really sorry. Um, that you're you're going through this and I'm 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 gonna pray for your family. But y'all, we don't need to be why are we even recording? Cut. Let's stop. Girl, no, so it's you actually sound like my boss now. She was like, because you know, I I did take Thursday off because it was just a lot. It was overwhelming as you could imagine. And then I was like, how do I cope? Like I had to ask myself, how do I cope with situations? And I cope with things obviously by like you said, I just continue on because sitting with your thoughts is a lot. And let me let me say this. My Nana, like I said, if there's anyone that I am certain that went on to be with Jesus, there are my grandparents, right? So like my my biological grandmother, my grandfather who passed away a few years ago, and my Nana. They are, I mean, if I had 
the picture perfect. And of course I'm biased, but I think that anyone that you would ask about any of them would probably say the exact same thing. If I had the picture perfect example of Christianity, it was them. And I mean, you're absolutely right. The comments, the the videos, the the messages that I've received. I didn't even know that my Nana even knew half of these people, let alone the ministry and the mentoring that she did for them years back. I just wish that we had had, you know, more time with her. Again, I know she's in a better place and now she's with my grandpa. So I'm okay with it. Well, I'm, I'm definitely sorry about that. And you're right. I mean, this is, you look up and one day someone's here and the next day they're gone. I always try to look on the positive side. And you've said a lot. Yes. You know, she knows the Lord. That's a positive. You have, you know, she's left a legacy behind. That's a positive. But she was in her right mind the whole time she was here. You know, that's a blessing in itself um, to to live a full life. Yeah, I agree. Again, grateful for the time that we had together. Grateful for the legacy that she's left, not just with me, but for all of the people whose lives she touched. Um, people that may not even know that, you know, she touched their lives, right? Like they may not know her name. They might have just come to a church service and she was the one preaching or praying. And, you know, it's not going to be lost. And, you know, we we will obviously miss her, but we know, like I said, we know that she's in a much better place. So we're grateful. So Janine, I hate to ask you what's on your timeline. Self-ordained relationship guru and image consultant. And I say image consultant in giant quotes because I don't exactly know what this man did for a living, but Kevin Samuels actually passed away this week as well. So for those who may not be one of his millions of followers, Kevin Samuels first stepped onto the scene as a personal stylist somewhere in the last few years. So I would say around 2020-ish, I'm assuming. I don't remember. I remember him from around 2020. Maybe he was here before then, but not much before then. So I would say in the last few years, he made what seems to be a career pivot. So while he stayed in super tailored suits and always had a pristine haircut in a sleek set of specs, his platform shifted from style to relationships. But Kevin Samuels wasn't just any relationship advisor. He considered himself a straight shooter and claimed that he gave unfiltered advice. But his advice was on. Fortunately, largely directed at black men and black women. So he unapologetically subscribed to gender roles. And by and by gender roles, I mean the traditional kind, the kind where the man is supposed to go out and make the bacon and bring it home and the woman is supposed to stay home and cook it. Those are the kind of gender roles that we're referring to. And he urged his posse of followers to adhere to them as well. And he often suggested that the reason why relationships were not successful long-term was because we as black people or as a people were veering away from those more traditional gender roles, subsequently causing the downfall of modern black relationships. 
Now, as we all know, there are a number of things that have caused the downfall of relationships in general, even more things that have caused the downfall of black relationships. And I think the least of those things are traditional gender roles. But again, I'm not a relationship expert, so we will not take my opinion. Back to Samuels. So Samuels was polarizing, to say the least. Based on the advice that he would give people who called in to his podcast or his YouTube show, he seemed to not only be a misogynist, he also seemed to be against anyone who did not fit the traditional standard of beauty. So he was an ageist. He also seemed to be fat phobic, a bit fat phobic. And he kind of was a bully, to be very honest. He was known for telling men that their value was tied to their money and their assertiveness. So basically, the more you can dominate a woman and pay for her, the more high value you were. But for women, their value was all about their looks, their youth, and their ability to submit. So I remember... I don't know if it was a segment or a show, but he even had, I don't know exactly what it was. We'll call it a segment for, you know, lack of better terms, called how much would you charge to submit? As if the only reason that a woman would submit is because a man was somehow paying for it. Now, while I understand that that is a thing, that's not really how being submissive works. Okay, but again... Men's value is in their, their wallet. Women's value is in their beauty and youth. So he also coined the phrase high value man, right? So it, it kind of migrated to being high value woman as well. But that was kind of secondary. The original term was high value man. And, a, and high value man, or I should say Samuels suggested that a high value man is one that not only has the basics, like, you know, a home, his own car, his career, et cetera, but he also had enough money to make a high-value woman submit. Now, a high-value woman, well, that's a little bit different. Based on what Kevin Samuels, or based on how, I should say, Kevin Samuels bashed women throughout the show, it seemed that he really didn't think that there was a such thing as a high value woman. Yes, in theory, but in reality, it seemed that he didn't think that a high value woman really existed because he would tell the gaggle of women that <laughs> decided to reach out to him for advice that everything from their appearance to the fact that they had children to their age to the fact that they had been divorced or had prior bad relationships or daddy issues or even mommy issues, anything, including their own personal success in their career, made them less valuable to a high value man. Now, he even went as far as to calling some women leftovers. So essentially, if you weren't getting a budding virgin, seems, you could not be a high value woman to a high value man. Now, you you know, he would rate women. So sometimes he would give women an eight or a nine, but not very often. But he still wouldn't have considered them high value. It seems that he just liked to rate women and tell them about how they just didn't deserve these men. 
his work seemed to be more about bashing and degrading women and kind of uplifting and idolizing these men more than anything else to me. And I honestly wonder if his rhetoric ever even helped anyone's relationship. I mean, honestly, I doubt it. I think it was more for entertainment, but people kept calling in. So maybe, even though he probably wasn't really a successful relationship coach, the one thing that it did do was, you know, his career did do was make him insta-famous. So in a couple of years, he got over a million followers on both YouTube and Instagram. As I mentioned, he passed away last week and he passed away at the age of 57. And according to recently released information, as well as a 911 call, it appears that he was in his apartment with a young woman who happened to be a nurse. And he had been complaining the night before about having chest pains. The day that he passed away, he collapsed on the floor, which prompted the young lady to call 911. And while she was on the call, she said that he was breathing initially, but it seemed that he was having an irregular rhythm, which I'm assuming is his heart rhythm. And then in the middle of the call, which was about 17 minutes long, it that she said that he appeared to be turning blue. When first responders arrived, he was unresponsive and he was taken to Piedmont Hospital where he was later pronounced dead. Now, prior to his infamy, Kevin Samuels actually attended the University of Oklahoma where he studied chemical engineering and he had a career in marketing before he ended up opening his old his own consulting firm. And he leaves behind a mother and a daughter and a legion of hyper-masculine disciples like Pastor Poppy Don and the Derek Jacksons of the world. So I saw a tweet from Dr. Anya, who is a professor in Pennsylvania, and it kind of just displayed, perfectly displayed the irony of the life and death of Kevin Samuels. And it says, Kevin Samuels told men their worth was in their wallet. He died in a one-bedroom sublet with less than $1,000 to his name, no partner, friend, or offspring willing to claim him, only his poor mother begging and borrowing to bury his loathsome carcass. Now, I don't celebrate death of anyone, but to expect that Black people, specifically Black women, would mourn the loss of Kevin Samuels is about as unrealistic as the relationship advice that he was giving. Nicole, what do you think? It is shameful that this woman went online and said that about somebody that passed away. I think that's disgraceful of her. Um, let this man rest. We don't know, unless she was his financial advisor she doesn't know what this man has or what he left behind. She don't know what kind of policies this man had. She doesn't know. So why does she say, who gave her the authority to speak up on behalf of all women to say this? So uh, I have a problem when people speak poorly of the dead. And um, like, like that's not, that's not right. That's not right. I don't want to say there's a special place in hell for her because I don't want to damn anybody to hell 
but that's not right. That does not look, that's not favorable to the Lord, even though he did do some things for entertainment, that is not for her to speak up against him. He can no longer defend himself. So why are you speaking ill of him? So I I have a problem with that. Number two, I always found his advice to be honestly comical and for entertainment purposes only. No woman in her right mind is going to take the advice from an unlicensed uh, individual that is just giving random advice. And obviously he's trying to get a rise out of women and he's done it. And he did it with 1.4 million followers, which is why it was hard for me to believe that he only had $1,000 to his name. So that's number two. Number three, I think that we need to really separate what is entertainment and what is not. What is advice we should take and what advice we should not take, okay? And maybe if we decipher those things, we wouldn't be so salty. I mean, I watched the same videos that everybody else watched, right? And I was like, ooh, did he really say that? Oh, boy, he struck a nerve with that one. But a lot of things he said wasn't necessarily untrue. It was the way he was saying it um, that people didn't necessarily like about what he was saying. So, uh, but again, I did not take offense to it because I'm like, he's not talking to me because no one is going to tell me the value I have. You can't tell me because I'm a certain age or I'm a certain weight or, you know, because I'm successful that I am not as valuable to men. I may not be valuable to certain men, but you can't tell me that I'm not valuable to myself. And you can't tell me that I'm not valuable to someone else. And if people made up in their head what they think about themselves and worked on their own self-esteem, then they would not be so easily influenced and they would not be so easily offended by people that are just trying to make a nickel entertaining. And I considered Kevin Samuels, you know, he said he's a self-proclaimed this, a self-proclaimed that. He's an entertainer. He's an entertainer. That's what he does. Okay. And his social media following and his YouTube following, that is how he made his living. And I can't hate on how he makes his living. Kevin Samuels got to the point where people were listening to him for entertainment and talking back to him also for entertainment and for their own therapy. But I want to let you know, this is our opinion we're sharing now, okay? You have to form your own opinion. And if you feel some kind of way about the things we say, if you think we're talking to you or talking down on you ever in this show, we encourage you to go and get some counseling, okay? Just like we encourage people that Kevin Samuels was targeting to get counseling if they felt like he made them feel feel less than because nobody can make you feel inferior without consent okay so this these people that are now bashing this man for being an entertainer is just be unheard of people applauding the fact that the man is dead i cannot believe that just disgraceful nicole i agree 100% i don't think that we should ever speak ill of the dead and I don't think that, you know, I'm I'm a I think one of the, the sayings that I say so often is we don't really have a heaven or hell to put anybody in, right? And no, do I think that people should, you know, feel bullied or degraded in having a conversation with people? No. And you and I on this podcast work really hard to not offend people, right? Because we our intention is never to offend. 
Our intention is for us to have conversations about things that black women have conversations about to give our opinions based on our different you know, perspectives and to be open to other opinions because we are very well aware that our opinions are not the only opinion. And the reason why we have a segment that allows you all to write letters to us is not necessarily so that we can, well, mainly it's so that we can read them, but also you all give us feedback. So when we are offensive, we are apologetic as well because we don't intend to offend. The intention is to expose people who might be a little more closed-minded to things that they might not have been exposed to. So his platform was a little different, right? But I think you have a point there, Nicole. It's about entertainment. If you want real relationship advice and you need real relationship help and relationship counseling, you're not calling into a show to ask for help. If you are, we hope that it's ours. But if, I'm joking, but we don't want you to call into a show if you really need actual help, right? We'll give you our opinions, but that's exactly what it is. It's an opinion. It's not actual certified relationship advice or certified advice because we are not counselors. We want you to go to a counselor. And I'm pretty sure if you have relationship issues, you should go to a certified relationship counselor, pastoral counselor, something that has counselor in it, right? So again, I think that people took what Kevin Samuels was saying too seriously. And again, you can have your own opinion. There are some things that he said that I actually agree with, right? It's kind of like politicians. Just because the politician says 999,000 things that I don't agree with does not mean that I can't find the one point that I agree with them on. They say a broken clock is right two times a day. And some of the things that Kevin Samuels was saying were correct. The delivery, probably not the best, but some of the things that he was saying We've probably said some of the same things. So again, don't ever wish or speak, wish to speak or hear other people speak ill of the dead. This is sad. It's sad. It's more sad because I believe that his mother found out via social media. I mean, it's just a mess, honestly. But at the same time, like you guys, not for nothing. But if he was talking so poorly about people and so negatively and his rhetoric was so painful. Why were we still calling into his show? Because his his show did not have any shortage of guests. It wasn't but so hurtful and offensive if we're still out here supporting it. Just saying. You don't get millions of followers from people hating on you. You get some, but not all of them. Let me be very clear. Speaking of Kevin Samuels and dating and what's valuable and what's not, do you want to help our listeners talk through some scenarios? Let's go ahead and do it. The first letter reads, Nicole and Janine, my sister is raffling off her to the highest bidder, and I'm afraid she's going to get hurt in the process. She's a very attractive girl, 36 years old, and works part-time as a hotel receptionist. Well, basically, she works as needed. Three years ago, she dated an engineer. They were so in love. Then she met a doctor named Tim, and all of a sudden, the engineer didn't know how to treat her. She left the engineer and is now engaged to the doctor, who's an orthopedic surgeon. She goes to conferences with him and dinners with him. He spoils her with shopping sprees, spa days, and jewelry. And the guy is actually really nice. 
He's 40 with one child, five years old. His wife died three years ago in a car accident. So I think he's really ready to settle down with her and he loves her. But she told me a basketball player was in her DMs and asked her out. She told me she was going to go on a date with the basketball player, but she really loves her fiance, Tim. She just doesn't want to settle. Ladies, how can I talk some sense into my sister? She has a high value man and is about to lose him. Sign Naisha. Naisha, your sister is what we back in the day called a video vixen. Okay. For lack of better terms, there are a certain subset of women, and we all know them, that do this, right? They hop from one man that can pay the bills to the next man that can pay the bills to the next man that can pay the bills. And the more money that each one of them makes, the more likely they are to jump ship. I say this because you can't go from surgeon to ball player. And the reason why I say this is because surgeon, long-term career, ball player, short career, surgeon, not saying that any man is less or more likely to cheat, but surgeon is more stable in terms of where they are for the most part. They're not traveling. They're not meeting new people as many new people every day that are just throwing themselves at them. You go be with a ball player and you will find out real quick how faithful your man is. Okay. We know what comes with the territory of being with a ball player. So Naisha, is that her name? Naisha, I would share this information with your sister. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, do not expect to change your sister's mind because there is a trend right now of women who are seeking men to pay their bills so they do not have to work. Going back to that old school traditional thought process that Kevin Samuels kept trying to reiterate to us, but there is a subculture of women who really just feel like their job is to stay fit, look pretty, keep up the appearance of youth keep a good home-cooked meal, and give you the yams when you want them. They feel like that's their job. And I'm not knocking those women. I'm just saying there are also other women who go out and work for their own, right? So if your sister is one of those women that feels like her man needs to take care of her to the extent where she does not have to work and all she needs to do is stay fit and pretty and look young, if that's what she's looking for, there, there is no changing her mind. But I would say, tell her this. Tell her she has a great man that has a great job that will be financially lucrative for long periods of time should not, you know, barring anything happening, right? And if that is the case, stick with him. This, is the, this one is the insurance policy. The ball player, he gets hurt. Someone doesn't pick him up. He gets too old. He can't play no more. And if he didn't, and if he didn't do what he should have done with his money, then that money is going to be out the window. And then you're going to be back to square one, married to the man that is not a high value man anymore. And then the one that was high value that you didn't kick to the curb is going to be living happily ever after with somebody else who is not you. So I would tell her that. And then tell her, let's not just hop from man to man. You got, I, I mean, we've now have three, three and a possible. That's what, it, like they say in spades, right? She has three 
seemingly high-valued men. Not in the order that you mentioned them, but three seemingly high-valued men. And one that is ready to lock her down. Girl, if you don't tell your sister to lock down with this man, I don't know what to tell you. She needs to go ahead and just lock this one in and secure her future and keep it moving. You know, if, you, if she's interested in other people, come up with an arrangement, but lock this one in. Lock, lock, tell her lock this one in. What do you think, Nicole? I think a sister doesn't even deserve any of these men. It's very um, obvious if you can jump from one man to another and you have a whole fiance who you say you love, but you're okay going on dates with other men, something is wrong. You don't, you obviously don't love this man. So don't marry him. So I would tell your sister, if you don't love him, don't marry him. You should marry somebody that you love. But if you love him and you're just torn because you think you want to settle, well, going to the ball player is is not is not like a Janine said, it's not the insurance policy. Okay. First off, you're 36. How old is ball player? Hmm? How old is he? Because basketball players, they start to retire around this age. So, and if you're dating one that's 10 years younger than you, then guess what? You're competing with a lot more, lot younger chickens. Okay. And I'm not saying that you don't look as good as them, but things like childbirth and him ready to have kids and you may not be ready to have kids but your your biological clock is ticking those kind of things are to be considered when you're dating someone that's 10 years you're younger so you have to think about those kind of things because i don't know how old the ball player is now if he's getting ready to retire then your lifestyle is going to change because he is going to have to adjust his lifestyle to a retired lifestyle, unless he is somebody like a Shaq or Kobe Bryant, someone that has smartly invested their money into other ventures and that will have uh, uh, longevity in other areas of business. A lot of professional athletes don't do that, okay? So they have their large chunk of money, they pay half of it in taxes, and then they buy these big fancy cars and these um, big houses and a couple years after they retire, they're looking they're looking crazy, right? So then either that or they've adjusted their lifestyle to a normal lifestyle and they can live off of their retirement. But their retirement is not going to be the same as their millions of millions of dollars that they get annually from the contract. So uh, think about that. Okay, think about that before you you make a move. Um, and it's and then uh and then secondly, I guess secondly or thirdly, whatever it is, uh, this ball player may not want me marrying you. Okay. This ball player may want to just have a good time. Okay, take you out, have a good time. He may take you on some trips and things. But as soon as the next the next loose booty come around, he might leave you looking crazy. And then you're not gonna have anybody to go to right? A couple more years go by, then who you going to go to, okay? I'm not saying you're going to have trouble finding a man because it doesn't seem like you have trouble finding a man, but I was always told you only get three good ones, okay? That one, two, three, okay? You're on your third good one, so don't screw this up. You got somebody that has a child, so you got the child's feelings involved right now too. You got a five-year-old child who thinks that you are coming in to help parent him, okay? He hadn't had a mom since he was two, he may not even really remember his mom. He may identify with you as his mom. 
And now you're going to just walk out of that. So when you get children involved, it complicates things, okay? You're engaged, so I know you've been a part of this child's life, but you're so low down that you're not even thinking about the family that you're going to create with this man. This man is thinking about the family. He's a family man. He's been he he's uh, been widowed. He's a family man. He has a child. He loves you. He's bringing you into his life. He's brought you to conferences. He's introducing you to his friends. He's brought you to dinners. You are inside his businesses. So why are you trying to walk away and neglect this child? And I'm not saying you have any obligation to this child yet, but we do have to think about the children when we have children involved. And if you weren't ready for that, you should have said, no, I don't want to meet your child yet. I'm not ready for that. I don't know if I want to be that serious. And if you knew you weren't ready for that, you should have said, I'm not ready to be engaged. Can we take this a little bit slower? But she did not say that. And I say that, Naisha, because you cannot talk to children, okay? Your sister is a child. She needs to grow up. She's a 36-year-old child. All you can do is try to tell her, I think it's stupid for you to leave the surgeon who put a ring on your finger, who treats you like a queen for a ball player that's a maybe relationship. Like, let's stop being stupid, okay? But I would also tell your sister as well, if you don't love him, Really do some soul searching. If you love this man, you should marry this man. If you don't love this man, save him the agony. He has already lost one wife. He doesn't need to lose another wife to divorce, okay? If you don't love him, just walk away. Don't hurt the child any more than you've hurt the child. Don't hurt him anymore, okay? Just walk away. So I would approach your sister from that standpoint of let's be mature. Either you want to marry him or you don't want to marry him. I wouldn't even talk about the ball player. Just what do you want to do? Are you trying to find a way out? Okay, because you don't have to have a way out. You can make your way out if you don't want to marry somebody. Let me play devil's advocate, though, for a second, Nicole. Do we think that she doesn't love him, or do you think that she loves him, but she thinks that the grass may be greener on the other side? Because I don't think that you can... I think that you... I think it's very possible... That you can love someone and still think that someone else is attractive or think that a relationship with someone else might be better and more beneficial to you. I think that, uh, you know, one night she hasn't given us enough information for me to exactly decipher that. But based on what she's saying, it seems like she probably really does love the surgeon, but she doesn't want to miss out. Right. That sounds like she doesn't want to miss out, which makes me think that she's childish. She's not adult enough for this type of relationship and so either she's gonna get on the boat or get off the boat okay so she can if you love somebody and you are mature enough then you know that that's the person for you okay somebody else can look better they can smell real good they can have more money it's not going to distract you from the person that you feel that you're meant to be with so I don't know if she needs to still do some soul searching because that love somebody, but the grass may be greener over here is a bunch of BS to me. Okay. We are too old to be talking about grass is greener over here. If she were 22, 23, I could see her still having that like immature thought process, but homegirl, you're 36. You're 36 and you got men that want to take care of you. Because, you know, you cute, but you ain't got no real job. 
And your sister's already told us that you work PRN, okay? Which means that you come and go when you please, okay? When you got time, you go to work. You make some extra change to do, you get your hair done. But real talk, these men, as probably especially the surgeon who's taking you shopping, I know you got his card and all this stuff, taking care of you. So real talk, you ain't going to be cute forever, okay? We can say that we're going to be cute forever, but we ain't all Angela Bassett's, okay? Eventually, things start to move a little bit differently. And you can still be attractive for somebody that's 50 or 60, but not as attractive as your 30-year-old self, okay? I, and I'm not knocking you. I'm about to be 40 this year. I know you heard about our little trip that we have in at the beginning of the show. And I look good, okay? I look damn good, all right? But real talk, the 22-year-old Nicole, the 25-year-old Nicole, the 30-year-old Nicole was a little tighter than I am now, and I looked a lot better than I do now, even though I still look good, okay? Beauty fades, okay? It is skin deep, and when you have something that's, that has some depth to it, okay, then all that other stuff, the things we worry about, two-piece, one-piece, none of that matters. So she still has some maturing to do. So I don't know which one it is, but either way, it's immature. I agree. And look, if nothing else, like you said, when stuff starts shifting and shaking, the ball player is gonna is going to still be able to find a 20-year-old whose stuff is still tight and they can put the pasties on and walk out on the beach like nothing's happening. Whereas the older you is not going to be able to fulfill that same desire of the tight right body because that's not what happens as we get older unless we work really really hard for it let's understand that people who look like Angela Bassett yes their genes are great but they're also working against nature they are let's be honest Okay, Nicole. So my letter is similar, but not quite the same. This one says, ladies, I need your help. My husband had a successful career as a tour musician. You name it, he's probably played for them. Now he doesn't tour because the majority of the artists that he used to play for aren't touring anymore. And the few gigs that he was able to pick up here and there stopped when the pandemic hit. He has tossed around a few business ideas from opening a car wash to giving people advice, but nothing seems to be going in the direction of him bringing in any real money. I've suggested to him numerous times that he should get a regular job like insurance or something. He always accuses me of not supporting his dreams. When he talks to his friends, they tell him the same Kevin Samuel suggesting that the reason that he has a wife is to support him as he decides what he wants to do. It's been over two years, and I'm sorry, but I'm not here to support a man. I believe if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Ladies, am I wrong for wanting my husband to get a job, or am I pushing away a high-value man? Signed, Sabrina. All right, so Sabrina, you have married yourself a musician, a starving artist is what you've married. And you have to realize that starving artists are just that. They are artistic and they are starving and they are very used to living check to check until they get a gig. And so the fact that he's even thinking about starting other small businesses 
is amazing because I would be thinking he was still trying to gig. So I would, um, one, encourage him to get more of a foundation if he wants to open these businesses, okay? Small businesses take a lot of money. They take a lot of time and you can lose a lot of money and lose a lot of time if you do not know what you're doing. So before he goes and just upchucks money that y'all don't have into a small business, I would say, hey, how about you get a couple, you know, some certification. What about going back and get your MBA, you know, maybe get you a business mentor, you know, somebody that can help guide you through the business process. Because let me tell you, as somebody that's owned a small business and self-funded my small business and closed it, and it's not that I closed it because we were, oh my God, we're about to like drown and we're bankrupt, but we closed it because financially it was a better move for us. And having a business is a business decision. You have to say, is this business worth keeping open or are you financially more stable without it? And if the business is your only means of income, then you are going to struggle more to keep that business open. The issue is you're in the middle, still in the middle of a pandemic. And when you're in a pandemic, people's money is funny. The stock market dang on near crashed this past week, okay? And people's retirement account reflected that. So I say all that to say, when you are dependent on other people to buy stuff from you to make money, and you're in the middle of a pandemic when gas prices are 5 and $6 a gallon, and people are still getting their uh, their pay skewed because of the impacts that companies are taking because of the pandemic, this may not be the absolute best time to start a business, okay? Especially if you don't know what you're doing, okay? There's certain businesses that, that are meant to be started and certain businesses that should not be started in the middle of a pandemic. A restaurant shouldn't be started in the middle of a pandemic. Perhaps a scrub company or a company that's making travel kits with PPE, maybe that should be started. You know, so you have to look and choose what kind of business you're going to start, but I would encourage him to get some more knowledge under his belt before he runs y'all bankrupt. Okay. And then if I were you, and I don't know what you do, but I would keep a close eye on what he's doing with the business. Okay. Really hold him accountable. If he wants to do that and he wants you to support him doing that, hold him accountable. You know, say, hey, you want to review inventory together? Hey, you want to review the books? Where are we on the timeline? Because people can get these big business loans and you have to pay rent every month, okay? The landlord don't care about pandemic. So if you get this big business loan, you're breathing light because you have money to float you, but that money is only meant for a certain amount of time. And you can look up and a year go by real fast and you haven't done what you said you were going to do and you haven't broken even in a year. And if you haven't broken even within that year to 18 month period, it's going to be real hard to do that. Okay. So I would, uh, I would encourage him, I'm not telling you to discourage him, but I would make sure he knows what he's getting into. And if I were you, I would really keep a hold of the books and I would remind him we're married. So I'm part business owner. Okay. So I want to go through the books. I want to make sure we're on task. And Sabrina, in the meantime, if, you don't want to support a man, then you need to tell him that you're not going to work, okay? And you need to tell him, hey, these bills are due. What are we going to do? And you need to have, he needs to answer you with a plan. Now, if you are married and you say, I'm going to support your business, knowing that it's going to take a little bit more startup time, and you see that he's grinding and he is making effort and he's making money and coming closer and closer to the break-even point, 
maybe Sabrina, that may mean you need to get a part-time job. Okay. I am, you know, I, I live in a two, you know, both of us work. Okay. Two household income. Okay. A two income household. Okay. That's what we live in. So we both work. Okay. If that is the arrangement that you and your husband made that only he will work and he will support you, then you need to remind him of his arrangement. And when that arrangement, he doesn't come up to his part of the bargain, then you need to tell him I'm leaving. Okay. Because this was not a part of the arrangement. But if you went into the arrangement and you are working and you agree that he could start the business, then that may mean that you need to step up a little bit more and work a little bit more. If you are going to have a two income household, but I don't know what your agreement was, but I would hold him to his part of the agreement. And if he can't support you and that was the agreement, then go live with your mom and him until he gets to get off his feet and then come back. Just saying. Okay, Nicole, we know that you are a little bit more husband friendly than Janine is. And I'm going to take some journalistic liberties from this letter, right? So it says that the, the friends suggested that that's the reason why he has a wife. So even if she doesn't work, the friends know that she has some sort of earning potential that is decent to support the household. That's what I read from this, right? So I will say this, Nicole. One of the things that you said was, if you all agreed, then maybe she should take on a part-time job. Now, let me tell you, Sabrina. Nicole is is will have you having a part-time job to support this man, right? Janine will have you having a part-time job to support yourself leaving this man. Because I am of the mindset that if a man wants to start a business, now I'll give him some time, right? But you need to be able to sustain the financial responsibilities that you have while you are starting said business. And if for whatever reason you are not able to sustain the financial responsibilities that you have, then you either need to pare those financial responsibilities down or which that is something that your husband needs to address with you about how he would be paring those financial responsibilities down because you all are married. So you're one and that is your decision as well. Or you need to, take on an additional job and hustle and miss some sleep and miss some fun and miss some meals and miss some, you got to sacrifice is what I'm saying. Sacrifice to get what it is that you want. You can't just be sitting here saying, oh, well, I'm just going to, I want to start a business. Okay. Well then I want to start a business too. And we both just going to be sitting here looking at each other, ready to start a business because what Janine is not about to do is have you out here starting a business when she's out here paying all the bills. Cause then why do I have you? What are you here for? What is your purpose in this relationship? And it's not about value or high value or low value. That's not what I'm saying. High value is not about the amount of money that you make and bring into a relationship. Let me be very clear. I do not subscribe to that notion that Kevin Samuels has put out into this universe. That is not the notion that I subscribe to, right? However, I am very much a, a subscriber of being a good partner. And you cannot be a good partner when you are not upholding your end of the bargain. And if your end of the bargain is, I'm the man, I'm taking care of things, even if your wife has to work, it is your responsibility as the head of the household, supposedly, for you to take care of things. And if you cannot take care of those things, we have some problems. 
If you cannot pay rent, if you cannot pay mortgage, if you cannot pay car notes, if you cannot pay for maintenance, if you cannot pay for the things that we need, and we're out here on a, a wing and a prayer because you had a, a pipe dream about a business, no, 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 no. That's not high value. There is no value in that. You are not being a good partner. You are not being a good husband. You are not being a good man, period. And if you're in a same-sex relationship, you're not being a good woman. You have to bring something to the table. And if I'm bringing the table, the table covering, the napkins, the plates, the silverware, the cups, and putting the food on it, why do I have you? I can prepare a table for one and have a great time. And Sabrina, if your husband does not want to pivot and figure out how he can sustain taking care of his family, then maybe it's time for his family to move on. Because clearly, he is not valuing you the way that he needs to value you. Because if he did, he would do whatever it takes to make sure that you were taken care of. Now, I'm not saying your wants. I'm saying your needs. I'm not saying you're out here buying red bottoms and Louis Vuitton purses. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is giving you the things that you need. Now, the red bottoms and the Louis Vuitton purses are nice, and we appreciate them, and we love them, and we give you extra hugs and kisses for buying them for us. But those are not necessities. Those are desires. If he can't take care of the necessities, he is not being a good partner. Point blank, period. And there's no value in a relationship when both people are not putting forth all of the efforts that they can to make of the relationship exactly what it needs to be. That's my take on it. So um, I, I agree with your take in um, some of it. And I will say, one, because I assume that he, you know, she's not going to be the only person working. So, so my thing is, I assume that he started the business. Okay. And that there's not a talk about starting the business. Okay. This is, that's non-negotiable. Okay. Either you've started the business and I'm helping, or you're going to work until you start the business. There's no such thing about not working and contemplating. So I, maybe I misunderstood that part because there's no such thing as I'm going to sit here for a couple months to figure out what business I'm going to start. Absolutely not. So he does need to work, go get a gig, go do something part-time, go Uber, something until you find uh, what exactly you're going to do and you actually start the business. And when you start the business, you are putting in long hours, okay? So I assume that you may not be able to work as much. You may not be able to pick up as much gigs because you are literally working inside of whatever you're doing. Okay, you're you're doing the marketing business or you're in the restaurant or you're doing sales. You're doing something that's pertaining to the business. So you are at that point working. But if you haven't started the business, brother man, you got to work. I mean, that's not even a question. Okay, so I'm assuming you started the business. But if you have not started the business, you have to get a job. Okay, period. If you want to be with me, got to have a J-O-B. Ain't nothing going on but the rent. <laughs> That's what plays in my head, honestly. Oh and I know God. that that does not sound nothing like the song, but that's how I feel. And honestly, we keep talking about people being high value. T be able to sustain yourself, both men and women. Be able to sustain yourself, your wants, your needs, your desires. And then you don't have to worry about what your partner is, is able to sustain. Because guess what? You're not running to them like they owe you something because they don't. 
And let's stop tying our value to how much people make. Because if the pandemic has not taught us anything, it has taught us two things. Number one, life is short. And number two, your money can be here today and sustainable today. It can be, oh, I have a good, solid, stable career today. And then tomorrow, nothing. Absolutely nothing. How many jobs and careers pivoted because they weren't pandemic friendly? Did we ever think in a million years that we'd be in the middle of a pandemic? No. The only jobs and careers that seem to have skyrocketed during the pandemic were people who work in healthcare and people who work in funeral homes. That is it. Everyone else's jobs that seem to be so stable and so reliable, they all fell by the wayside. So let's be honest. Your value cannot be tied to your money. It just cannot be. We have to be good partners, good people, good human beings, good contributing members of society. That is what makes you a high value person. That's what Janine says. And that is how Janine is going to leave it. Okay, Nicole, let's go on. What did you learn new this week? According to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, Black women earn a whopping, I'm being sarcastic by the word whopping, $811 a week on average. And Black men don't earn much more. They earn approximately $870 per week. And I say that because if we are tying value to, okay, well, a a man can be high value and a woman can't be high value, y'all are only making $59 a week more than us. And $59 ain't even filling up your gas tank these days. And let me also say this. Black women far outnumber black men at the nation's highest universities. So the amount of money that we make really does not reflect what's up here inside of our brains. You can't see me pointing, but I am pointing to my head what's inside of our brains. And honestly, I'm not even saying your intelligence makes you high value or low value. The value that you have, I would venture to say varies based on your situation. Because what I'm knowledgeable about and what you're knowledgeable about, Nicole, are two completely different things. It is about your specific situation. Be the best person that you can and stop trying to put value on people. We're not trading people like cattle. So let's quit it. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? Let me go back to what you said, because that's disappointing that we're making less than $900 a week. I'm just saying, I mean, we, you know, as educated as black, and I know that that number probably includes everybody 18 and up. Okay. So, you know, some of it is like what, you know, people coming straight out of high school, but still like that, You would think that everybody would sort of bring up the tail and we would be earning, you know, a little bit more per week on average uh, than what's reported. So I don't know. That number is just disappointing. But what I learned was, according to a 2020 research study by Pew Research Institute, which we love Pew Research Institute. We go to them all the time, right? 53% of online dating app users lied on their profile in some way. And 40% of men said they lied about their jobs in an effort to sound more successful. So why y'all think y'all catching somebody that's high value, six figure earning, man, they are lying about their jobs on social media and on these apps. So hmm, don't get fooled. Okay. Don't get fooled. 
It's really interesting that you say that because I've actually seen that happen to one of my friends. She met a guy and he, on paper, sounded amazing. When I tell you amazing, we all were like, that's the one. He was the, he ended up being the one to steal her identity and force her to short sell her home because he, yeah, he took her for everything that she had. And we thought this guy was the next coming of Christ. Do you hear what I tell you? Like he sounded perfect on paper, but really he was just Joanne the scammer. Wow. That's crazy. All right, are we ready for the motivational moment today? Yes, let's do it. I just feel like we need some motivation. I mean, this show has really like, ooh. It's a lot, right? Oh, my God, it's heavy. It's deep. Oh, that's deep, right? Really? All right, so the motivational moment says, when looking for someone of value, look deeper than physical attraction. Physique is important, but physique changes with time. Instead, look for someone who makes you smile on the inside when you think of them, someone who remembers the little things, and someone who celebrates you even when you don't want to celebrate yourself. That's the person that brings true value to your life. Keep that one. Until we meet again, pray, work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.